From Outset, my name is Benjamin Green, and I'd like to welcome you to this week's episode of Second Look, the show where we pause and re-examine stuff going on in politics and culture. And my, what an eventful week it has been since we last talked. Seriously, lots of stuff going on this week. Sad stuff, happy stuff... We'll see what all we get to in the episode today, but first I just wanted to take a moment and mention our amazing sponsor, Octopod Mobile Charging Solutions. Um, Talk about them all the time, every single episode, twice an episode, and I am not tired of it yet. Go to octo-pod.com slash outset and use the coupon code outset to get 50% off at checkout. So last week on the show, I talked about bravery, and I talked about it in the light of Rand Paul and the NSA and the TSA, the Patriot Act, and all this stuff, living in fear from terrorists. And I just wanted to continue a little bit on that note. For those of you who may not know, uh, Sunday night, May 31st, Section 215 of the Patriot Act which allowed for the warrantless connection of metadata on every single phone call from every single American to be collected by the government, which, in my view, is just so blatantly unconstitutional, I don't even know how it can be defended. It, it's just bizarre to me. But anyway, that expired midnight, so 12 a.m., June 1st. That is no longer in effect. And this was largely due to the efforts of Senator Rand Paul, um, Congressman Justin Amash, and Congressman Thomas Massey, and also uh, Senator Ron Wyden from Oregon. I'd like to thank the senators and the congressmen and all, all those involved in this who did their part in trying to end this unconstitutional program. And last week I talked about how I understand that there are trade-offs. I understand that there might be a terrible attack on our country that maybe possibly could have been prevented through this Section 215. Even though... um, None of the intelligence agencies who have access to Section 215 data can point to a single terrorist that they have caught with it. It's mostly um, used to track down drug crimes. But, again, last week, just to recap, (laughs) um, I believe and... I hope you believe, too, that it's more important that we are free than safe. I would rather get blown up than have the government collecting information about me. And I understand that maybe a lot of people don't hold that view, but I do... I'm optimistic for the future. I think... When people, if, if you sit down and talk to them and explain some of the dangers in allowing the government to grow this big and 
just explain to them what the Constitution says about whether or not government can do this, then I think more and more people will come around to the liberty side and say, you know what? I am for freedom. I am for liberty. I am for the Constitution. And I just wanted to talk about that this week because since Rand Paul has done all this, he's been in the news perpetually since his ten and a half hour speech that was a filibuster, that wasn't a filibuster, that was a filibuster. Any of you Senate rules nerds who can (laughs) give me the definitive answer on whether or not it was, because the Washington Post said it was, and then other outlets said it wasn't. Anyway, his long speech about it, um, he has been in the news for this, and so many Republicans have called his views dangerous and radical and said he's running for president of the wrong party. That line in particular really bugs me. I am a Republican. I am not particularly fond of the Republican Party, but right now I am registered to vote as a Republican, and I do that primarily so that I can have a say in the primaries. I I believe that it's important that no one violate their conscience. I have some good friends who are very conservative and who are not members of the Republican Party, and I don't hold that against them at all. But for me, to not violate my conscience, I as of right now, have to be a member of the party and have some say in the primary election. And I, um, I'm i pretty comfortable at this point in saying that I will be voting for Rand Paul. I, I don't foresee him coming out and making any major policy declaration that will make me go, whoa, I'm not ever going to vote for this guy. I really like Rand Paul. I really like a lot of the stuff he stands for. I don't agree with him on 100% of everything, but that's okay. You know, I I don't agree with anybody on 100% of everything, I bet. I, I, I have yet to find someone that I agree with on 100% of everything. Let me put it that way. And so I, I am trying to handle this objectively. Because I am a Rand Paul fan, so I'm going to have that bias. I'm, I'm going to be predisposed to defend him when others are attacking him. But just looking at this objectively, if a candidate says X thing, and that candidate belongs to a party that prides itself on being a big tent and being the home for a wide spectrum of ideas, like the GOP does, and then that candidate is lambasted and people are trying to force them out of the party, and i it's wrong. I, I don't care who that person is. I, Being a Rand Paul fan, it should come as no surprise that I am not a big fan of Senators Lindsey Graham or... John McCain. I respect both of them as uh, men who have done a lot for this country, both militarily and politically, but I agree with them on 
very few issues, and yet we still belong to the same party. And that's okay. It, I, for one, am all for the Republican Party holding a less important role. The, the National Republican Party being less important and individual candidates being more important. And I believe that the more views that the Republican Party umbrella, tent, covers, the less important the whims of the chairman or the party leadership are. For instance, this is a really good example of contentious social issue, gay marriage. I, and along with many people, still hold the social conservative view, and I've brought that up on this show before. But there are whole groups of Republicans, um, geo-proud and the log cabin Republicans come to mind, who don't see a problem at all with gay marriage being recognized by the state. And I couldn't disagree with them more on this issue. And yet, the fact that we can both exist in the same party shows that the party is definitely playing a lesser role. Because if the party were still as strong as it was even 20 years ago, um, you'd have to toe the party line if you had any hope of doing anything. Representatives and senators are far more independent now from the leadership than they used to be. And I definitely consider that to be a good thing. If you doubt me on that, just look at what happened in the Senate when um, Rand Paul was basically dictating what actions the Senate would take. He leveraged control of the Senate from the majority leader who is opposed to him on this. Uh, Mitch McConnell wants a clean reauthorization of the Patriot Act. Rand Paul wants a full repeal of the Patriot Act in a perfect world. That's what either of them would want to see. And, And yet the Senate majority leader completely lost control of his Senate. Uh, and that independence that Rand Paul showed is not abnormal. It, it's becoming more and more common for our elected officials to buck the leadership and vote the way that they feel is right, not necessarily the way that might get them a committee chair next session. I think this is a very good thing. I I am I I I understand why we have political parties, why they came about, but I've never liked them. I I don't like the idea of a group of people being able to dictate the laws of the country. And political parties at times, have been able to do just that. You know, they've been able to say to their lawmakers, hey, vote this way or else, and then, boom, if they're in the majority, their law gets passed. And they're not elected. They're not 
um, in any way accountable to the public unless you go through the delegate system and the, it, unless you go through the party's inner mechanism. But most people are never going to do that. So I'm, I'm getting kind of rambly here, but long story short, I'm happy that the party is becoming more irrelevant. But one of the problems with this big tent is that it leads to contention. And we have Senator John McCain and Senator Rand Paul going back and forth on the Senate floor. And that's not the best situation, especially heading into a presidential election season that's a very important presidential election to win. You know, no no presidential election is unimportant, but this one is a referendum on not just one, but two past presidents. Uh, we have Bush-era Republicanism and um, Obama-era Democratism, <laughs> I guess, progressivism. And the American people are going to have to decide if they like either of those two things or neither of those two things. Hillary Clinton, um, if you tracked the election at all in 2008, you know she was not a fan of the far-left policies of Barack Obama. And same with the likes of Rand Paul. Uh, They're not fans of Bush-era conservatism, big government, high-spending conservatism. So it it's a crucial election because it's going to define the trajectory, not just for the next four or eight years, but I think a good deal longer than that. I won't go so far as to say forever, but as, as much as um, our foreign policy trends seem to go in 30 to 50 year spells, I I would argue we've kind of been operating under the same foreign policy since the rise of global communism. Um, I think this next president is going to be very defining. And so it's crucial that we elect the right person for the job. Going back to what I was mentioning earlier, people saying that Rand Paul is running for president of the wrong party. I understand their passion because of the crucial nature of this election. And they disagree with the senator, and they have every right to do so. But at the same time, we have to remember who the opposition is. And there's this odd balance in politics between following your conscience and following um, pragmatism and electing the least bad person. <laughs> and I I mentioned earlier I have friends who will never vote Republican in all likelihood, uh, even though they are very conservative. And at the same time, I have friends who would never not vote Republican, even though they hate the Republican Party. Um, and this whole lesser of two evils thing, we have to remember in this primary season, that someone is going to be the nominee. And at this 
ridiculously early stage for all of us to be talking about this. We don't know who the nominee is going to be. There are so many candidates. At this point, um, it really could be anyone's game. You know, I've heard time and time again, Chris Christie has no more path to the nomination. But, I mean, something happens in New Jersey, and Chris Christie looks really good, gets three weeks of press about it, and boom, he's back at the top of the polls. That That's not an unfeasible scenario. Anyone of the GOP candidates, I feel like, could win. There's no one on that stage who I would say stands zero chance of being nominated. If you asked me who I said the least likely to be nominated were, I would probably point at um, Senator Lindsey Graham and former Governor Pataki of New York. I, I don't think they stand very much of a chance um, but at the same time, there is a chance. And we have to remember that someone will be the nominee heading into the general election. And the question is, would you rather have that nominee or Hillary Clinton, who is likely to be the Democratic nominee, barring any changes in the attitude of the national press? And I, for one, there there are... Some names mentioned in this Republican field who I'd rather have Hillary Clinton be president than them, to be quite frank. And so I don't mind if people criticize them. But to all the people who are saying that Rand Paul is running for president of the wrong party, I have to ask you this. Would you honestly rather have Hillary Clinton as president than Rand Paul? Do you honestly feel like he has no place within the big tent of the Republican Party? And if so, why on both counts? I'd really be interested to know. So if you are one of those people, uh, go ahead and send me a tweet. I, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, my Twitter name is at BGreenAZ. You can use the hashtag second look. Um, I, I really would like to know, talk this out with you, maybe shoot you an email. But I, for one, even just setting aside for a moment my Rand Paul um, bias, I think that he belongs on that debate stage just as much as anyone else. He is a Republican just as much as anyone else. And he has, just as much as anyone else, the right to be the nominee, if so elected by the party. Before we get into the last bit of the show, I just wanted to mention Octopods again. You know, I got a text from a listener of the show this week just asking me about it, and I was excited because I love talking about Octopods. They have the um, one of their coolest things is that that cable, Tertia cable, I always forget the name of it when I'm up here, the Tertia cable that can charge three different devices, but also they have a solar-powered battery backup thing. So you can charge it 
you can charge your battery backup via USB or via solar power and then use your battery backup to charge your mobile devices. So no matter where you are, as long as you can find the sun, you can have power. And I really hope you'll go check it out at octo-pod.com slash outset. They've been great supporters of the entire Outset Podcast Network. octo-pod.com slash outset and use the coupon code OUTSET at checkout. So I babbled on a little bit more than I expected to uh, in that first part of the show. Um, My apologies for the slightly rambly nature of it. As far as some of the other things that have been going on in this news cycle, we saw former Speaker of the House Hastert indicted, and what a mess that is, and apparently what a mess... America's politicians were at the end of the 20th century. I I do not look forward to 20 years from now when all the scandals from the people who are politicians now are coming to light. I, it really disheartens me to see how scandal ridden our politics are. I know there are many good men and women who want to go and serve their constituents, but there are many others who want power and money and influence, and those motivations will get you into all the wrong places. But right now, I just want to focus specifically on um, a story that hit Monday, and... I'm not going to use any particular names or pronouns, but it's about transgenderism, which until recently would have been widely considered a mental illness, and I for one still consider it such. There are people who have real gender identity issues. They may feel like they have the wrong gender But I, for one, I mentioned earlier, I'm still a social conservative, hanging on here. (laughs) Um, You know, the media sure makes a good job of making you feel like a dinosaur, but I, I feel compassion for all those who are affected by what I can only imagine is a terribly difficult illness. But I will call it what it is, and that's an illness. There are things that are beyond our control as men, meaning humans, not meaning males. Uh, As humans, we have things that are simply not up to us to decide. And one of those such things is sex and gender. It, It comes from birth, it has to do with chromosomes, it doesn't have to do with um, what you feel like. It has to do with biological facts about you. And to anyone who might say, well, there's no difference uh, between men and women, so why can't we 
just acknowledge transgenderism as a normal thing, I would submit that while men and women should be viewed as equals in society, there are biological, scientifically proven differences between men and women, between male and female. This is fact. This is not my opinion. You can go research it, and it is proven there are differences between men and women. They are not one and the same. And so switching back and forth between one goes against biology. It goes against nature. And it, it just makes me so sad to see someone so troubled that they would feel that this was the only solution. And um, I don't want to talk too much about this today because I don't want to go into specifics. I don't want to play into the media circus that's going on right now. But it really is sad to me, and that's the only word I have for it. So moving on to a, a lighter note... There was an event last week in Phoenix, actually. So not far from where I am, um, outside a mosque where people were there protesting Islam. It was the mosque that the shooter in the Garland, Texas attack um, had attended. And people were out there protesting Islam, and I'm just going to come right out and say it. They were being stupid. I, for one, am not Islamic. I personally, in my religious beliefs, um, feel that people who follow Islam are um, misguided, tragically so. But it doesn't help anything, anything at all, to... um, go and protest a mosque. We have religious freedom in this country. That means that people are free to believe as they please. Our Constitution mandates no federal religion, and no state has instituted a religion either. Um, And so what we have is a diverse span of belief systems. And if Christians go and start protesting mosques, what what are those Christians going to think if Muslims came and protest their churches? They'd be up in arms. They'd be talking persecution. They'd be um, all getting all angry about it. And I am a Christian. And as I mentioned before, I do not believe that all belief systems are equal, but you will not find me outside a mosque protesting a religion. It It's irrational, and it does nothing to advance public discourse. And I just want to clear up, uh, when this event was going on, Stephen Perkins, the editor here at Outset, uh, tweeted <laughs> that Kind of similar sentiment to what I just said. The people outside this mosque were just being stupid. And I um, quoted Stephen's tweet, and I said, 
This does nothing to advance the public discourse in a meaningful way. Now, what I meant here, I really just want to clear this up. I'm sorry, Stephen. What I meant here was that the event, the people protesting the mosque, it does nothing to advance public discourse in a meaningful way. There is a time and a place to talk about the potential dangerous elements that might come from Islam or radicalized Islam. And protests outside a mosque, Those that that's not the... the type of discussion you want, and it's not, certainly not the place. And so I was referring to the event when I said that uh, it did nothing to advance the public discourse in a meaningful way. The next day, or two days later, I don't remember exactly, I was thinking about the tweet again, and I realized the way I said it, it made it sound like I was saying Stephen's tweet did nothing to advance public discourse in a meaningful way, and uh, I cleared that up on Twitter, but in case any of you uh, saw that tweet of mine and um, didn't see the clarification where I explained, oh no, I was actually agreeing with Stephen here, uh, I wanted to clear that up for you. Uh, Think before you tweet, people. Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's show, and I want this show to be more of a conversation. I don't want it to just be me blabbing into a microphone. I want to hear from you. Let me know what you thought about today's show. Leave us a review in iTunes. We like five stars, but um, make it honest, and talk to me on Twitter. I I mentioned before, my handle's at bgreenaz. You can find um, the awesome editor of Outset Magazine, at Stephen with a PH underscore Perkins and of course at Outset Magazine and make sure you're checking OutsetMagazine.com We want to hear from you We want to know what you think on stuff We, we want to unite this country through discussion of ideas and yeah have a great week we'll see you next week and in the meantime I hope to hear from you <laughs>